Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fitness Gainer Podcast. Per usual, I am your host, Eric Feigl. You haven't gotten rid of me yet. I am joined today by Dr. Jeff Willerson. He is a professor at my alma mater, Eastern Illinois University. And uh, I wanted to have him on for two reasons today. Uh, number one is purely selfish, just because it's going to bring back some nostalgia for me. So I talk about Eastern Illinois and Charleston and, and, uh, we kind of talked a little bit beforehand about all the professors that are still there and all the changes that have been made. So uh, that'll be fun for me. Um, and a second, a second reason is I think it's important that that people know uh, just what goes into to strength training in general and and the teaching of of uh, of becoming a personal trainer, what people go through to become a personal trainer, and not that uh, Dr. Willardson directly deals with personal trainers per se, because the people that that go through these courses may or may not go into the same field. So um, we'll get to learn about that also. So right now, um, uh, Dr. Willison has been teaching at Eastern Illinois for, since 2005. Some of his, his classes include the Advanced Biomechanics of Resistance Training, uh, Biomechanics of Human Motion, uh, Principles of Exercise Fit, just to name a few. Uh, he's been published in the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research and the Journal of Sports Medicine and Physical Fitness. So um, definitely a great guy to to pick his brain, and I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, Dr. Willerton, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Hey, you're welcome. Good to be here. Awesome. So we talked a little bit beforehand about, about the changes of, uh, you know, what's going on in eastern Illinois and, um, you know, the, the different moves people have made. What, what got you into... More than the teaching side, exercise science uh, specifically. Well, uh, I was uh, I, I competed in in sports uh, as a youth and uh, through high school, and found that I was really more interested in in the process of training than uh, than in uh, the actual competition. So I, I would like to track my uh, exercises and. Similar to what a what a personal trainer would do in prescribing a a program, and I just really found that I enjoyed doing that and and writing things down and then trying to exceed what my best marks were, and uh, that kind of led into uh, college where where I found that you could actually major in exercise science and study all of this stuff and. Uh, Figured out that um, the, the best way that I could teach and and um, support a family was uh, through getting a, a doctorate degree, and so I, I did a bachelor's and master's degree at Utah State University, and then on to a, a doctorate at Arizona State, and then uh, my first uh, job was here at Eastern Illinois University, and and I've been uh, here for eleven years. That's awesome. It's, I think for, for Eastern Illinois, you know, it's not a, a massive school. As a, you know, when I was there, I think we had, I want to say 10 to, what, maybe 12,000 students. I'm not sure if there's more or less than that now, but, um, the exercise science program specifically, and I'm sure this goes with every major, you know, you, you, you form a very tight bond. And, you, especially once you get into your junior, your senior year, and if you move on to grad school, it's even closer because there's less people. 
do you find that the people in in exercise science maybe in my in my view everybody everybody has a very close knit in exercise science because it's such a a specific thing that you're getting involved in everybody almost everyone comes from like an athletic background um you know everybody likes to weight train or exercise and so there's there's kind of a there's an an unique and unusual camaraderie I feel like in the exercise science field. Would you agree? You observe that too? Yeah, uh, you know, especially nowadays with uh, the popular media where fitness has become uh, very trendy, and um, with young people uh, in college, um, especially lifting weights and improving your physique is is tremendously popular and. Uh, I, I find that students really enjoy learning about that, especially more of the applied principles, um, looking at research and and learning uh, that you can actually use it uh, to make your workouts more effective. Right. And uh, I, I enjoy um, uh, doing doing studies uh, here that involve students. I think it, it enriches their educational experience, and uh, they learn things about. Uh, how uh, to design different research protocols to, to answer a certain question and um, seeing the process from start to finish. Um, you really develop a, a good relationship with students, and then you see them go on and have success in their field. And it's nice when you get a note every once in a while um, just expressing appreciation and, and that they remember your class and they're using yep. that material now as part of their job. That's that's really satisfying. Yeah, that, oh, I bet it is. I mean, there's. I'm sure that I don't have to tell you this, but you know, as a, as an instructor, I mean, how many kids that you see that they really you, know, you make an impact on everybody. So hopefully, if you get a little bit of reward when somebody says, "Hey, thanks for you know X Y Z," especially if they're having success in that field still. Um, what what do you think the importance of education is when it comes to to someone who's going to start ex- executing strength training programs? Where does that fall into? Because nowadays, as you know, you know it's easy for any literally anyone to go out and uh, and say they're a personal trainer just by getting you know a a certificate online and they like to exercise, so they're like, oh, now I'm a personal trainer, or now I'm a you know you name it, whatever it is, not them. I'm not saying that there are people out there that have certifications and there aren't awesome strength coaches because there are plenty of them and I work with a few, but they take the time to research, they take the time to learn, and they know that it's it's bigger than just them. You know, it's about um, helping people's lives. So, uh, yeah. circling back, what, where do you see, see the importance of education and uh, strength training? Well, you know, uh, there's... Uh a debate about, you know, the importance of education versus experience. And uh, I, I think um, it really depends on on what your specific job is. Uh, I, I think um, both are important. Uh, the personal training industry is pretty loosely regulated in terms of uh, who can uh, be titled as a personal trainer. Uh, the certifications out there will vary in the amount of rigor and uh, knowledge required. Um, 
to, to achieve a particular certification. I, I think uh, it, it depends on how much you put into your education as well because there, there are some classes uh, in a university environment that uh, have very little practical application uh, to what goes on in the real world. Um, so I, I think a lot um, depends on the quality of instructor, too. Um, it, when you're selecting a, an exercise science program, you want to make sure that you uh, have instructors at, at this particular school that um, understand that uh, the importance of the practical material. Um, how can you take the material that's in the book and use it in the real world? That's what I try to do in my classes is, um, is, is take the material from the text and teach students why it's important. Um, you know, a anybody can teach uh, how to do a lap pull down or how to do a bench press or how to do any other functional type movement. Um, it it's not knowing how to do the movement that's as important as knowing when and why. So that, that's what the education is for, is, is to learn when to program a movement and why to do the movement, more so than just how to do the movement. So that, I think both that ed education and experience are, are both important, but um, education is really what you put into it. Right. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's, you can have all of the knowledge in the world, but if you don't know how to execute that knowledge, then... And what really it's not not necessarily 100% waste, but I mean you have you have to under, understand who you're talking to, uh, what their abilities are, and you know what you're what you're trying to accomplish as well as what they're trying to accomplish. And to have a, an instructor that can actually relay that information is, I think, in, invaluable. You, know, you can't put yeah. a yeah, you can't put a price tag on that. Yeah, biomechanics and exercise physiology. We'll talk Huge. about the foundational material and things, and then I'll just ask an open question. So why is this important, or why should you care about this material? And then I'll give the practical application next. So we, we go from the basic to the applied material. Yeah. Well, what I think is really unique about the exercise science field is that once a person really dives into it, they can kind of start to form their own philosophies built around what they've learned. You know, there's just not like a – there are some some things, obviously that's why the research is done, why, uh, you know, or how you should handle someone with, uh, you know, some kind of a, a spinal issue or rheumatoid arthritis or cancer or what have you. But you get to develop how you use all of the techniques and the principles because everybody, for the most part – is going to uh, to move the same way, barring injuries and things like that. But you know, everybody, we all know that you know, we all have um, X amount of bones, and we all have you know, this is how uh, this is how a certain squat should be performed, and things like that. So you get to kind of mold the application into the education. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I've been able to to get. Uh, uh, funding to to where I've been able to order some some different pieces of equipment, um, Vertimax and the Just Jump mat and a Vertec and a Tendo unit and 
different things where we can take uh, information from class and then and then go into the rec center and, and use that with with equipment so they can see the principal in action. Right. And, and right. I think what? that's yeah. Oh, go ahead. That's where students make that connection. Is oh well, you know, power is equal to force times velocity, and when they can actually see what it means, you know, in in doing a a clean or squat, that's that's really when that uh, that's when when students are engaged the most. Right. Yeah. Learn, learning and seeing the technique versus just seeing the principle on paper is so huge, and that translates directly to uh, working with a client too, because I mean, especially with, a, with someone who's brand new on my end, someone walks in and I, uh, they'll ask me, so well, what kind of training do you do? And I'll explain strength principles and they kind of look at me with this look like, well, you know, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, let's, you know, let's walk through this together. Let's go through a short workout and we can explain it. And then once you actually put that, that into practice and you show them everything that, um, what, what I personally think uh, a solid exercise program should look like, then it starts to click. And then it's like, oh wow, okay, I, I see the benefit in, in the in the background of what you were saying. Uh, your specific background is in is specifically strength training. So what I really wanted to dive into, and I know I've, I beat this over everybody's head, I'm probably going to lose like, you know, five out of ten subscribers <laughs> for asking oh. this. But uh, but who needs strength training and why? And, and who do you work with? Uh, uh, specifically, well, I, I think uh, strength training is for everyone. Um, at, back in the 1970s, when a lot of the research was starting to uh, be carried out in in the field, a lot of it was was more geared towards endurance-oriented training strength training which is kind of set aside but um, you know gradually over the years we've come to the conclusion how important strength training it can be especially uh, to maintain functionality through through the lifespan it's it's been shown that people that are stronger live longer uh, independent of aerobic fitness so uh, especially with the loss of muscle mass and especially the loss of you know those type 2 muscle fibers uh, with age, you know, we can preserve those uh, fibers with uh, heavy strength training. Um, you have to consider the limits of the individual as well. Some people, um, due to joint or cardiovascular problems, will have to alter their the way that they lift weights, but um, I think everybody can benefit um, from your elite athlete to you know, uh, people that are 80 or 90 years old, um, it's, it's always something that, that everybody can do. And um, there's an infinite variety of, of ways that you can lift weights. And so it's just uh, the possibilities are pretty well endless um, in, in addressing a person's goals. Yeah, that's, I think uh, what you said in there, you hit on the uh, you know, lifting heavy weights. And again, you know, barring injury or physical limitations, I think that is it's such a huge, it, it takes such a demand on the body to change. Um, 
the body builds up quite a resistance, especially to exercise, and, uh, and that's what makes it, I think, what makes it so interesting because you see the progression in someone who, let's say, used to do a 30-pound, you know, dumbbell bent over row, and all of a sudden, you know, weeks or months down the road, they're doing 40, maybe 45-pound, 50-pound uh, dumbbells in rows in the same rep- repetition range, and you see that progression over time, and you see how at one time that 30 pounds was very challenging, and now that 50 pounds is very challenging, but they're able to accomplish it, accomplish it. And that word heavy can be very daunting to people, you know, especially um, women uh, who, who don't want to, quote, unquote, look, look big or get big. And, again, that goes back to the science where you start talking about, well, here's why more than likely you're not going to look like Arnold when you walk out of the gym. And uh, but I think that's really interesting, you know, that you actually brought up heavy uh, weightlifting. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, you know, I there's still a lot of misconceptions about strength training, especially in the uh, not not so much in the uh, among the younger generation, but uh, maybe the middle or older generation. Um, in terms of you know, well, I thought only football players lifted weights and. Right. Just understanding that uh, to maintain muscle and maintain vitality and functionality, uh, it's this is a important part of a healthy lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Overall, and it's funny that you bring that football player because uh, in some of my early earlier podcasts, I talked to people who were around when they first started to introduce strength training to football players. And some of the coaches were so opposed to it. You know, no, we're not going to do that. It's going to injure our players. And now it's so prevalent, in, and we understand the importance of especially uh, weight training with athletes, especially the ones who are taking such a pounding, like football players, hockey players, you know, things like that. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny how it progresses like that, you know. It's like, nope, we're not going to do it. Yes, we have to do it. And some people still think that the only people who should do it are those kind of athletes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, fun to see things evolve over time. Yeah. Um, my office my office here uh, overlooks the the uh, EIU Recreation Center, and I can see several uh, older people right now lifting weights. So uh, Eastern has a really good adult fitness program that promotes that. So yeah, they have uh, yes. training and people available to, to give good supervision. Right, absolutely. Uh, to go along with uh, who needs strength training, what are your recommendations? What do you usually go with in terms of frequency, duration, uh, and, and maybe even intensity? Well, uh, it depends on the client. Uh, this morning I was working with a 75-year-old man who's had uh, shoulder surgery uh, to repair a, a torn uh, rotator cuff. And um, it's been several months since the surgery, but um, we try to try to stick with uh, things that uh, don't produce pain, obviously. But um, I like to employ a lot of um, different modalities. Um, I like to focus um, a, a lot on uh, core stability, um, so being able to to maintain uh, static tension 
in the core muscles while incorporating hip and shoulder movements around a stable core. So, uh, for example, I'll have them uh, do exercises in a prone position, a supine position, a side lying position, and um, just just trying to have them incorporate uh, maintaining, you know, their the center of their body statically tensed, and then um, incorporating different actions of the hip and shoulder joints around that. Um, also incorporating a, a lot of elastic type resistance. Um, sometimes I found that works really well for people with uh, limited function that might be a little bit intimidated by free weights. Um, elastic bands work really well to to train the the hip muscles and and also the shoulder muscles. Yeah, and the in resistive bands I find work especially with someone who's never uh, strength training before. Machines, number one, are, are fantastic. But if a person doesn't have a machine to use, resistance bands, it it lets you really get a sense of how to control your muscles during, um, well, any kind of movement, chest press, seated row, pull down, squat. You know, you can do the whole body with a, a resistance band. But uh, I definitely like resistance bands for for beginners in particular. But there's you know, nothing wrong with using a resistance band for uh intermediate and, and, and advanced also. So would you take someone that you're working with, would you take them through, would you recommend someone go, what, two, three days a week for 30 minutes, or do you have, obviously based on, let's say you have a healthy individual walk in the room, what what would you recommend for that person to do? For your, for your recreationally active person? Yeah. Uh, I would recommend a total body program probably three days a week. Um, keeping the prescription really simple, uh, some type of squat, and there's lots of different variations of squat, combined mm-hmm. uh, with some type of pull, upper extremity pull, either a vertical pull or a horizontal pull, or both, uh, combined with a press, either a vertical press or a horizontal press. So um, you're, you're incorporating the fundamental movement patterns of squatting, so raising and lowering your center of gravity uh, in some way, flexion and extension of the hips and knee joints, and then you've got some type of pulling type action for the upper extremities, um, and, and you can incorporate different angles and, and postures on that, and then um, some type of pressing type action, um, different angles and postures on that as well, and then probably added on to that some type of resisted uh, torso rotation. So not that you're dynamically rotating your torso, but that you're in a position where you're resisting torso rotation. So something like a polyp press uh, yeah. with a with a cable. Um, so that makes it really simple. So three days a week, um, just uh, taking each of those days, total body uh, workout, um, and then each of those days, some type of squat, some type of press, some type of pull, and then something specifically for the core. So it makes it right. really simple. Right. It is simple. It's effective. You're hitting the major muscle groups. You're getting a long-term calorie burn, building muscle. Uh, and depending on how, you know, how short or long your rest breaks are, you get a good cardiovascular uh, workout with that, too. I yeah. think that's... So, yeah, something yeah. like that probably take 30, 30 minutes. 
yep. to, to do two to three sets of each one, and you're in and you're out, and you've got every muscle in your body worked, and uh, you're ready to go. Yep, absolutely. I like I like the fact, you know, going um, – what I've been trying to do lately, actually, I try to mix up uh, workouts, obviously, often, but I've been doing um, – what I, okay, so what I used to do is I, I was so strict with doing, like, two lower body movements, two upper body movements, and then I would kind of rotate back and forth. Uh, and I would kind of – I would do it in a, in, in a cycle. So, for instance, I would do, like, a single joint movement. I would do, like, a, a, a knee extension and then a leg press. And then I would go to a, uh, let's say, incline chest press and then a, a wide grip lat pull down or a close grip lat pull down. And then I would pick another four exercises that were different but I do it in a similar fashion. So now what I've been trying to do, and it's just uh, for variation, and you kind of hit on that, I'll do a um, a lower body pressing movement, and I'll go right to a an upper body uh, pulling movement, and then back down to a pressing or a pulling movement, hamstring curl or, um, you know, a single leg extension or something like that, and then back up to a uh, a press to match my pull that I did before. And I'll kind of bounce back and forth until I complete, you know, four to to eight exercises like that, and then I'll I'll move on about two sets. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's uh, going from a foundational program. There's there's always things you can do: agonist, yep. antagonist, uh, supersets, and you know, drop yep. sets. There's there's always those more advanced techniques if you have the motivation and time to incorporate those. Those are good for really maxing out your potential. Right. Yeah, and the more advanced client you have, the more, uh, let's go ahead and say, the more fun you can have. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, more it's fun, you know. it's, yeah, it's fun to work with somebody that you can, that has no functional limitations and you can just throw anything at them and they're willing to try it. And Right. Uh, it's, it's fun to see, to challenge them. It's also, I think, really fun to when you, and I'm sure you can agree, when you see someone that maybe does have some uh, some limitations and all of a sudden you see, you notice them notice that they're changing. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, they, they mention their clothes are fitting differently. and Right. Uh, you know, they may not be losing a, a lot of weight per se, but the, their composition of their body is changing so that... Um, uh, the density of their body is is changing to where you know their clothes are a lot looser than they used to be. Yep. So. Or their their shoulder isn't hurting as much, or you know they're able to do something as simple as like put a put a jacket on without any pain, or you know, <laughs> yeah. sit up. Or those things get me super excited, and that's like the nerd coming out in me. But when a person's daily life is affected by by strength training, that's I mean that's the main thing. That's the real benefit, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So I, I wanted to uh, like to keep them uh, kind of short. Um, the uh, the workouts also. I, I like to keep that bre- abbreviated, you know, high intensity. And that high intensity is very loose depending on who you're working with. But that that thirty to, to forty five minute range that you mentioned. That's I can't. I can't recommend that anymore because I think some people get that that idea of I have to be in the gym for an hour to an hour and a half. When in reality, it's 
not necessarily your your length of workout, but your intensity of workout. Uh, and again, you know, I, it's funny. The um, uh, I think uh, the quality over the quantity and the high intensity interval training and just uh, the exertion part of working out has really become kind of trendy and popular lately. It's all of a sudden. Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of funny that scientists are realizing that wow, um, working hard for a short period of time can give you the same amount of benefit as working uh, at, at lower intensity for a longer period of time, and, and that applies to strength as well as um, cardiovascular endurance. So, um, you know, it's it's something that anecdotally we knew for for lots of years that um, working hard is an important part of, of working out and really exerting yourself and and giving 100%. And now it's, science is just kind of catching up to that. And oh my goodness, it works! You don't you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to have uh, spend you know all this time if, if you're truly working hard. You can get the same benefits. So yeah, and, and here comes another geek moment. But that truly speaks to the ability of the body to adapt to nearly any situation. It can do it can it can achieve the same results in so many different ways. And I think that's what is so it's so incredible because what what some people can do versus what other people can't, you know, you can find a different way to achieve the same goal and that just that that blows my mind sometimes to think about how intricate and detailed the body is, yet it can do so much. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, just that overload principle and uh, the overload principle can be applied in a, in a lot of different ways. It's not always about putting more weight on the bar. It, it can right. be about changing the mechanics of the exercise um, to to create more muscle activation or create a greater challenge in balance or um, a, any number of things um, can make an exercise more challenging, more so than just um, lifting more weight. And not all, yeah. uh, Sometimes people can't um, put heavy weights on the bar, and so you have to think of other ways to create an overload and, and to get their bodies to adapt to the next level. Right. Right, yeah, good Good point, good point. Yeah, so it, and that really speaks volumes to the... Uh, keeping all the exercise, you know, varying the exercises too. I think that would, that's just another way to achieve that. It's a good point. Um, as we wrap things up here, I wanted to, to kind of let you, uh, plug yourself a little bit for those who want to get more understanding of what you do and, and how important the work is that you're doing. What kind of, what's your current projects look like right now? What are you working on? Well, uh, lots of different things. I, I collaborate a lot with uh, people down in uh, Brazil. They they have a lot of um, good ideas and and resources to uh, do uh, strength training type research. Uh, so uh, recently, we we compared uh, three different uh, variations of the leg press exercise and. A very practical type of study. Uh, if you've ever had clients uh, hold a physio ball between their legs as they're doing a leg press, uh-huh. yep. um, to create greater activation of the hip adductors. Um, right. Well, one thing we found is that uh, that also creates 
uh, greater activation of the vastus medialis. Okay. And uh, so that can really uh, uh, lessen the risk for uh, patellofemoral pain syndrome, sometimes called chondromalacia or runner's knee, right. uh, where the vastus lateralis becomes very dominant and pulls laterally on the patella um, without any counterpull from the vastus medialis. And so uh, we found that altering a traditional leg press uh, by simply putting a uh, physio ball between the the knees as they're doing the, the pressing action uh, creates greater activation of the vastus medialis and, and tends to correct that imbalance uh, between the vasti muscles. So uh, the message is, you know, that it's a, it's a very uh, there, there's ways you can alter exercises to make it more effective. Yeah, and that's, that's good to know. I, I train a lot of, uh, of runners, too. And thankfully, none that, that I have have, you know, major knee problems, which is great, but that's something I can incorporate now to have, uh, you know, to hopefully prevent that. Are you going along, this really wasn't something I was going to bring up, but since you mentioned it, how, when you line somebody up for a leg press, um, how do you feel about foot angle? Do you are you in favor of variation or just what's comfortable for the individual as long as like the knees tracking over the toe or do you have any input on that at all? There's a, there's a lot of different uh leg press models uh as you know um uh, the the leg press um it's it's interesting. Um there, there can be a lot of compressive forces on the low back uh, with a leg press. You have, to, you have to be really careful. I would say comfort is probably the main thing, um, making sure that it, at the that they're at an adjustment where they can reach a 90-degree a hip and knee angle at, at the bottom of the movement. Um, and um, depending on uh, someone with ACL, uh, a previous history of ACL injuries, um, they're probably going to have very dominant quadriceps, um, in which, in which case, you know, you may want to incorporate, uh, different techniques such as a single leg press, which would tend to emphasize more the hip right. muscle, the stabilizing function of the hip. Um, a lot of leg press models, uh, are very dominant in the way that they activate the quadriceps over the hamstrings, which would tend to exacerbate um, the, the problem um, in someone with, with um, previous history of ACL issues. Usually, they're very dominant in the quadriceps anyway, so you don't want to further that problem. So you, you'd want to focus more on the hips, which would be a single leg press or placing your feet higher on the platform to focus more on hip extensors versus knee extensors. Wow, okay. that's yeah. So really, that the comfort the comfort is the majority of it, and that's a good point, considering you know just like you said the the strain that might be pr- uh placed on the lower back i tend to i've i've started to um the people who get who don't quite get that that ninety degree bend what I've started doing is i i kind of open up their hips a little bit by rotating their toes outward a little bit and I find that they get a little closer to where that that ninety degree should be uh I feel like they get a little more extension out of it and um, and really, I mean, obviously you're activating just a little bit more of your abductors and you open your hip up a little bit more, but right. anyway, that was just a, that was just a side note. <laughs> just kind of found that interesting. 
Yeah, sure. Um, there's always things to do um, to break with just the traditional method, and and I think um, it's good to to keep the body the way the best way to keep the body adapting is to change things on a regular basis so you don't get too comfortable doing things one way. Right. Right. Yeah, and especially the the more understanding you have of uh, you know just what you what we were talking about earlier the physiology of of the body and how it operates and how it works and so this is just a little side note for myself for for people out there who are who are just basic exercisers just you know it wouldn't hurt just to open up a a book and you know I can a basic exercise fit book to to get new ideas for things instead of you know looking at men's health or something like that um but I don't want to get on a soapbox because I tend to do that a lot, I've been told. So <laughs> I'll step down. But, uh, but hey, Dr. Willerson, I, I appreciate the time that you took to talk to us today. And I know that everybody's going to take away some, some more information on how the body works and how important strength training is. So um, from from a panther to a panther, I, I appreciate <laughs> the time that, that you put in. So, um have a great rest of your day, and I'll be sure to let you know when this posts. Oh, thank you, Eric. I enjoyed it. Take care now.